Nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring today. Robert Half is here to help. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. For almost 90 years, the enormous oil company Saudi Aramco has been in the hands of the Saudi royal family. The company is the cash cow of the Saudi economy. And last week, for the first time ever, the kingdom put a small stake up for sale in the public market in the biggest IPO ever. The shares rose in the first few days of trading, and the company is now valued at more than $2 trillion. But is it really that valuable? I'm Ben Walsh, filling in this week for Alex Ewell. With me is Barron's Avi Saltzman. Hi, Avi. Hey, Ben. All right, so Aramco is the biggest company in the world. It's finally a public company. Breaking news, the world's biggest IPO has just priced at the top of the range. Saudi Aramco, what is it? Only the biggest IPO in history. A few moments ago, it confirmed $25.6 billion. $25.6 billion. That's the amount of money that raised. That is well ahead of Apple, well ahead of Microsoft. So you think about big, huge global companies, child's play compared to what Saudi Aramco just priced. And you still can't really invest in it. That's right. As an American investor, you're pretty much locked out of this. If you even go onto the Aramco website and say, hey, I just want to read up on it. I'll download the prospectus. They tell you, no can do. Okay. So take us through the process of the IPO. What happened and how did we end up in this sort of strange situation where it's the biggest IPO ever, but most investors in most of the world can't invest in it. Yeah, it's been a very unique situation. Obviously, it's not the first time an IPO has been tricky. Look at what happened at WeWork. But this is uh, one that obviously involves all sorts of geopolitics. And there have been stops and starts, attempts in the past to take this public. So, you know, this was kind of a long time coming. In the end, the Saudi leadership decided to list the shares on a local stock exchange uh, called the Tadawul. And when the government decided to do this, you know, they had to take into account that this was not going to be open to most of the world because it's not so easy to trade stocks on this exchange. So, Avi, tell me about Saudi Aramco. Sure. It's a fascinating company. It produced $111 billion in net income last year. That's compared to $59.5 billion for Apple. So it is by far the world's most profitable company. It has 52 years worth of oil reserves. Uh, Compare that to 17 years for ExxonMobil. So basically what these numbers should say is this is an enormous company that is leaps and bounds ahead of competitors in the traditional valuation metrics that we talk about for companies. And they only sold a fairly small slice of the company to investors. Uh, That's right. They ended up selling just about 1.5% of the company to investors. It was the biggest IPO ever. But again, it's a tiny little fingernail of uh, (laughs) what was still controlled 98.5% by the kingdom. And so why not list Saudi Aramco on the London Stock Exchange or the NYSE? Why go with this local Saudi exchange? I think they wanted more control over how this was going to be presented. I think there were some disagreements about valuation uh, with bankers, that sort of thing. And I think there was a clear goal from the start of this process 
that the crown prince wanted uh, the stock to be worth $2 trillion. That's what he had said it was worth, and they were a little more likely to get it in a system where they had a little more control over how the process rolled out. Okay, so we know Saudi Aramco is state-owned, but in Saudi Arabia, being owned by the state means something pretty specific. Can you tell us more about that? So it's owned by the royal family, and the most important player there is Crown Prince uh, Mohammed bin Salman. He's the 30-something controlling the vast riches of an oil kingdom, with the political influence to shape most of the Middle East. A young man who has taken over considerable control over the kingdom. Okay, so Mohammed bin Salman, a lot of people know him as MBS. He's been going through a fairly concerted efforts to centralize his power. Yeah, you know, he's a, he's a super important figure. He is close with all sorts of world leaders. After world leaders gathered for their traditional family photo, we saw this, Russian president... Vladimir Putin and Saudi Royal Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman enthusiastically, bam, high five. Friendly with people like Jared Kushner, major players in the U.S., Vladimir Putin, people all over the world who are now seeing him as the central figure for Saudi Arabia's future. So this oil company is a big part of his ability to centralize power and also, in his view, to modernize the economy an economy that is pretty much dependent entirely on oil and gas production, an area that I think he recognizes and everyone recognizes is not a forever industry. So you talked about the geopolitics of this offering. With that, there's been significant controversy connected to Saudi Arabia, sort of really right while they were trying to get this IPO up and running. Yeah, I think that played into some of the debates about this stock and you know and, and may have played into how the bankers dealt with it early on obviously there was the killing of journalist uh, Jamal Khashoggi last year that US authorities said that the kingdom was involved with the crown prince's denied involvement but obviously that's something that continues to be very controversial you know a couple of years ago there were uh, members of the Saudi establishment that were held against their will at a hotel in Saudi Arabia as part of uh, what they call the corruption crackdown. But, you know, these are governmental actions that obviously would scare some investors, would make people nervous that just how free is this economy, how free is this country, should we be investing in it? Well, and along those lines, how free is the market for this stock? How accurate is this market price with respect to, you know, investor demand? Yeah, I would actually doubt the market price to some degree because in the end, the shares were mostly sold to people within Saudi Arabia, a little bit sold to people in the region. But with this kind of centralized government structure, with this kind of past, you know, there's some concern, I think, among people I've talked to that, you know, is this a truly free-floating market price? If the government is telling you, you really should invest in this. Can you feel fully comfortable to say short the stock or to sell it whenever you feel like it? And, you know, and government entities themselves also invested in the IPO. So the question is, if this went public on an exchange where people felt completely free to buy, sell, short, criticize this stock, would it be at this price? And I personally doubt that to some degree. I mean, I think that maybe the price will end up settling 
at a at a very high valuation. Maybe it will even get there to two trillion. But I think that's still a very big open question. Okay, so given all that, how are people trying to value Saudi Aramco shares? So not a lot of analysts have covered it yet, but the ones I've talked to have taken a look at big international oil companies, say the Exxons and Chevrons of the world, and and also some of the other sort of state-controlled oil companies or companies with big state ownership, say Brazil's Petrobras is one. So the state-owned oil companies tend to trade at a much lower valuation. There's always anxiety about what those countries' politics are going to look like. You know, government control means that investors or the market doesn't have full control over where the price goes next. So those companies might be valued at, say, 10 times their expected earnings, whereas uh, Exxon is likely to be uh, valued closer to 20 times. Right now, Aramco's given the benefit of the doubt and is trading even higher than most of the international companies. Some metrics, it's, it's more expensive than Exxon. On basically all metrics, it's more expensive than Chevron. And I've talked to some analysts who say, uh, that seems a little bit of a reach at this point, that those companies are going to be more market-based. They're not going to have quite the same political risks that a state-owned company has. And Saudi Aramco is uh, interesting, too, in that they actually take a higher royalty rate to help fund government programs as the oil price goes higher. So investors actually don't benefit as much if oil prices go to, say, 90 bucks or 100 bucks even. Whereas with Exxon, if you invest there, oil goes to 100 bucks, you're going to get the full benefit of that. A few years ago, there was a lot of talk about peak oil, which was basically the idea that the world was running out of oil. We don't hear a lot about that anymore. But is it a factor when people are talking about Saudi Aramco? It's not a factor anymore because the U.S. now produces so much oil and gas from their shale wells. I think no one's really talking about peak oil in that regard. But they are talking about something I'd call peak demand. There's a decent chance that oil demand is going to start falling off in the next few years and then fall pretty hard as the world sort of gets electrified. Electric cars are still a small percentage of current auto ownership, but check back in 10, 20 years, and you're going to see that a large proportion of cars will not be using any oil. So Saudi Aramco's enormous reserves, 52 years' worth of reserves, will be less impressive, I think, at that point. And related to that, Saudi Aramco and the listing of it is related to Prince Mohammed bin Salman's big plan to transform the Saudi economy. And that seems to be, you know, at least somewhat predicated on this idea that we're not going to be able to just make money from selling oil forever. Right. I think they acknowledge that. But the question then is, you know, then what's this company worth? <laughs> if the company it's you know, it's a fascinating a conundrum, right? The, the company is the thing that changes your economy. Once the economy changes, what happens to the company? Right, <laughs> so right. It'll be interesting to watch. Are they going to be able to develop other industries. It's not clear yet. There's no particular reason to believe that at this moment, but that could change if they put real investment into other parts of the economy. It's definitely worth watching. Right. And the question for the Saudi Arabian economy seems to me to be, how do you replace a $2 trillion company? You know, it's, it's easy to 
spend a couple billion dollars here and there to build up some local industries, but a $2 trillion behemoth is a tough thing to replace. You can't just, you know, import Apple and Microsoft. Maybe, yeah, well, you, you can't buy both of them. You can only buy one for, <laughs> for $2 trillion. It's a fascinating case study. Uh, you know, there's a lot going on in the oil markets. There's a lot going on in corporate reorganization. There's a lot going on in national politics all over the world. This is one company that has all those questions embodied within it, and it's fascinating to watch. Uh, you know, as a journalist, I hope they open up more information you know, I was really hoping to download that prospectus <laughs> last week. And then when it said, you are blocked, you know, I thought, well, that's unfortunate. So You did get your hands on it, though, right? I did. I did. Okay, so Saudi Arabia and Saudi Aramco have unique control over oil markets. And now that Saudi Aramco is public, do you think that just that fact alone, that the stock is now traded, is that bullish for the price of oil? Yeah, I'd say it is probably bullish. I think the kingdom is not going to want to see oil prices fall low enough that, you know, the stock price would also tank on falling oil price. So analysts I talk to say they're going to probably want to keep the price, you know, between 60 and $70. The reason that's kind of a sweet spot for them is they still make great margins at that price, but they also want to control market share. And because they are the lowest cost oil producer, they don't want the price to go so high that say, you know, marginal shale producers in the U.S. that can't easily get oil for low prices will start to come into the market and take their market share. So they kind of have an interesting balance to deal with. But I think there is a downside kind of floor that they're probably going to establish here. Now that there's a public sort of benchmark for what their biggest company is worth. Even though Aramco is public, as we've talked about before, it's basically only been available to be bought by Saudis and people in the Middle East region. Do you think that there's a scenario in which Saudi Aramco shares become more widely available to U.S. or European investors? I do think so, and I think it's actually going to happen sooner rather than later. First of all, it's going to be included in indexes. And I think eventually the kingdom's uh, going to open it up on other exchanges or more widely, maybe do another equity raise, somehow get this stock out to more people. I think if they do want to raise money to reform the economy, they're going to need you know, more of this equity capital to get that going. So I think that people will be able to buy it pretty soon. And if they do go to other investors outside of the Middle East, that's going to set up an interesting scenario because you're going to have the stock trading on a daily basis in Riyadh at the price that that's at, and then you're going to have the Kingdom or Aramco coming to Western investors saying, we're going to sell however many tens of billions of dollars of stock. Do you want to buy it? And the answer might be yes, but that might not be for the price that is listed on the Riyadh exchange. Yeah, I think that's going to be a fascinating dynamic. You know, our recommendation to investors was to be a little wary of a $2 trillion valuation, that if they're looking to invest in oil stocks, if that's something interesting to them, this may end up being an investment that makes sense, but probably not at this level. All right. Avi, thank you so much. Thanks, Ben.
You can read more about the future of Saudi Aramco on Barron's.com. I'm Ben Walsh. The show is produced by Meta Litzoff. The Readback will return next Wednesday. This message comes from Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment on board and on shore. And every Viking voyage is all-inclusive with no children and no casinos. Discover more at viking.com.